Hello and welcome to the 94 Feet Report. I am your host, as always, Eric Spropolis, and you can find me on Twitter at Eric Spiros. Uh, on my Twitter page, you will find where uh, you can find all of my other work, such as the, the Dream Shake on SB Nation, the Houston Rockets affiliated blog. I cover games, put daily links posts, um, and write some feature posts there. I also am an analyst and insider for NBA Lead. Um, which includes me going on Periscope twice a week to do a segment called NBA Nightly where I just chat with fans. Um, and then you'll find all of our information about our pod, my podcast here, the 94 Feet Report Basketball Podcast, and which is also an NBA show on All In Sports Talk Radio Network. You can find all of our previous episodes on iTunes or Stitcher or our Blog Talk Radio page. Um, just search the 94 Feet Report Basketball Podcast and it will come up wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, Etc. I just want to remind you before we get started that uh, all of our episodes um, and the podcast itself have are sponsored by Fan Essentials. Fan Essentials is a unique monthly subscription package uh, for sports fans. You choose your favorite team, and each month you'll get a box of their uh, gear shipped right to your door. It's really great. I've tried it for the Rockets. I really enjoyed it. If you use promo code 94FEET at checkout, that's in all caps. Um, you'll get 30% off your first subscription to Fan Essentials. We are also brought to you by Daily Fantasy Nerd, um, which is a great site um, for all of you daily fantasy players. I've used it for uh, Daily Fantasy on DraftKings. Uh, works for DraftKings, FanDuel, etc. Um, so if you play a lot of Daily Fantasy and you want some help and some analysis and some tools, check out Daily Fantasy Nerd. And specifically, check out the link um, that I've posted on my Twitter, and that is in the episode descriptions for our previous episodes. Um, so you click on that link, and you'll help support the podcast while also getting your great daily fantasy tools. With that being said, in today's episode, we will first do an awards race update. Uh, I'll tell you who my who I have for the each award so far um, after a month of the season. And speaking of a month of the season. We will be doing a first month grade and recap for each team in the league. So they'll be pretty quick, just you know, going over their record, some uh, maybe a fact or a, maybe a statistic or two um, per team, and then give them a grade for the first month. Um, of course, we'll still have our Watching You segment, which we debuted uh, two weeks ago because we were off last week for Thanksgiving. And we'll also finish with Best and Worst of the Week, our two running segments here on the show. With that being said... Let's dive right into the awards race, or the awards races, I should say. Let's start off with Rookie of the Year, and it hasn't changed for me. Joel Embiid. You know, I have it written down in my notes. I have, what was that, six eyes. So I always pronounce Joel Embiid, or actually I should pronounce it Joel the Process Embiid, because that is his quote-unquote unofficial middle name now. Um, Embiid's still Rookie of the Year. I mean... None of the other rookies have impressed enough to even warrant really consideration. And B is just putting up great stats: um, 18 points per game, seven and a half rebounds per game, two and a half blocks per game, on a 37.5% usage percentage, which is just ridiculous, especially for a big man in today's NBA. And the thing is, with Embiid, he's still on a minute minutes restriction and is still not playing every game uh, for rest and for injury concerns. So, can you imagine what it's going to be like when he's off that minute minutes restriction? I mean, he's putting up 18, he's basically putting up 18 points per game, eight rebounds per game, and two and a half blocks per game on less than 25 minutes or less per game. Can you imagine by the end of the year when he's hitting 30 minutes, eventually he'll probably play like 32 minutes a game. He'll probably be putting up 20, 
he'd probably be putting up 20, 10, and 3, which is just ridiculous. I mean, he's got post moves. He's showing off some dream shakes. He's hitting threes. He's playing great defense, blocking shots. I mean, he's a little bit of a weaker rebounder than you would hope from a 7-footer. He was he's 7-3 now, I think, or 7-2. Uh, but that's because he's not always in the paint. He's sometimes in the perimeter taking jump shots, etc. So I don't really have any concerns about Embiid's rebounding impact. Um, he also has a 23 PER, player efficiency rating, and a 60% true shooting percentage. So even the advanced stats are, are in Embiid's favor. He looks right now to be a runaway, a run, a runaway for rookie of the year. <laughs> a lot of uh, R's there. Um, yeah, but, I mean, none of the other rookies have impressed him. A lot of people were picking Chris Dunn to start the season, and he's been very disappointing so far, as have the Wolves been as a team, which we can get to in a, we'll get to in a little bit. Um, Brandon Ingram, of course. You know, people didn't really expect him to win rookie of the year. Of course, Ben Simmons got hurt and will miss, you know, the majority, if not all, of the year. Um, so, yeah, Embiid, Embiid looks as he's cruising to that rookie of the year award. Um, and the 76ers aren't winning, but at least they are watchable. I mean, I know that, you know, for now, if I wanted to see the 76ers play for, I don't know, the Bucks, you know, I, I can tune in and say, oh, you know, what? at least I'm going to see Embiid. Um, so they do have something to tune into. 76ers fans and NBA fans have a reason to watch the Sixers this year, which is a big deal. Just for Joel, the process, Embiid. Let's move on to, um, well, actually, most improved player of the year we're going to talk about in our Watch and Use segment. Um, I'm not going to reveal who that is just yet, but our Watch and You player of the week will also be the most improved player um, pick for now. Um, so I'll get to that in a little bit and explain in more detail during our next segment. Um, but let's move on to sixth man of the year. A couple of options, really. Um, you know, that now that Patrick Beverly's back for the Rockets, Eric Gordon has moved to the bench, and he's done very well off the bench. His shooting percentages are up compared to him as a starter, um, getting similar minutes, of course, but he's would be consideration for six minute of the year, and I think he's a good dark horse pick. But as of right now, as it stands, a month into the season, I'm going to have to give it to Zach Randolph. It looks like the move to the bench has paid off for David Fisdale and the Grizzlies, really. Um, they're 11-6. and six. I think they're losing today. Um, I'm sorry, I'm recording this Monday, November 28th, around 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, so some games are going on currently as we speak, but um, I believe the Grizzlies are losing to the Hornets tonight, Um, but I will be giving, I will be checking throughout the podcast just to make sure. Anyways, let's get back to Randolph in detail. So, uh, Zach Randolph, right? Were you talking about him moving to the bench? People were like, oh, why are they doing that? You know, putting Jermichael Green in the starting lineup. Well, it's paying off for him. Off the bench, Zach Randolph, 14 points per game, 8 rebounds per game on 48% shooting. Those are solid numbers, especially for a six-minute of the year. And he has a 20.5 player efficiency rating. He's been very efficient off the bench. Him and Gasol are starting to shoot and take take and hit threes. Um, and it's just been, it's been really successful for the Grizzlies so far. So that's why I think I have Zach Randolph as a pretty comfortable six-minute of the year. Um, as of right now. But again, Eric Gordon is that dark horse. Watch out for him. Ever since he's moved back to the bench with Patrick Beverly returning, Gordon has been very good, including a really, really good game against the Trailblazers last night. Um, but we'll get to, you know, diving into player and team performances in a little bit when we do uh, one month uh, recaps and grades for each team. Let's move on to defensive player of the year. There are, there are a good amount of candidates for this award as well. I mean, it is only the first month, so, you know, the all the the long list of candidates hasn't really been, you know, cut into the really solid, like, top three or top five candidates. 
but still, there are some really good candidates for Defensive Player of the Year. Um, but I've got to give it to Rudy Gobert right now. And the reason I'm giving it to... Well, let's go through the other candidates before I get to Gobert. So the other candidates I was considering, Dwight Howard is actually doing really well on the defensive end so far. The Hawks have the number one defensive rating um, for a team, and Dwight has a 93 defensive rating himself. Now, he doesn't—he plays less than 30 minutes a game, which is why I chose Gobert over Dwight, um, and Gobert has better stats too, essentially. Well, basically equal, equal you know, advanced defensive metric stats. But uh, Dwight doesn't play enough, really, to me, to warrant. He's missed a couple of games. Um, he plays around 28 minutes a night. Um, so I'm, I'm going to kind of eliminate Dwight because of that reason. But when he's on the floor, Dwight's been really good for the Hawks defense, which has been really good as a whole. Another candidate, CP3. Chris Paul this year is a 3.1 defensive box plus minus, which is very good, and a 97 defensive rating. And the Clippers, um, you know, up until, I say, this weekend, even though this weekend, they, I think they still have um, – the Clippers actually have the third defensive rating in the league. So, you know, you got Dwight, who's uh, anchoring the best defense. You got Gobert, my pick, who's anchoring the second best defense. And CP3, another candidate, who's anchoring the third best defensive rating in the league. So, these guys are really warranting some serious consideration, of course. Um, let's go back to Gobert. So, the Jazz, as I just gave away, are the second team in the NBA in defensive rating. Gobert has a 5.3 defensive box plus minus. So when you consider CP3's 3.1, Gobert is, is almost more than two defensive box plus minus ahead of CP3. And Gobert is a 95 defensive rating himself, very similar to Dwight Howard's 93 defensive rating. For those reasons, and because of the fact that he plays more minutes than Dwight um, and is anchoring a, a very good, very similar defense to the Hawks, um, and the Jazz have been weathering some serious injuries. We'll dive more into the injury problems for the Jazz in a little bit, but they have been weathering those injuries, have a second, have the second-best defense in the league, anchored by Gobert. And that's why right now, Defensive Player of the Year for me is Rudy Gobert. But again, there are a lot of other good candidates. Um, just quickly want to mention, it's been interesting to see how Kawhi Leonard's defense has almost fallen off a little bit, um, where he's not at that Defensive Player of the Year level that we all expected heading into the year. So it's interesting to see if he'll be able to reclaim that. Uh, because the Spurs defense has fallen off as well. They're out of the top 10, and we'll talk about that in a little bit as well. So that's surprising. But right now, Rudy Gobert for Defensive Player of the Year after the first month for me. Now, the next award I think is the hardest award to pick right now. Of course, it is one month, and there are a lot of candidates. And, you know, next time we do this in a month, it'll be different candidates probably. So, you know, there is a reason why these awards are hard to pick right now. But this one, Coach of the Year, is really hard for me. Now... I initially thought to give it to Luke Walton because the Lakers, after beating the Hawks last night, are 9-9, nine and nine, and they've had several quality wins, and most importantly, they're fun to watch, and it's a really young team, so it's impressive that they're 9-9. Nine and nine. I think they didn't get their ninth win last year until uh, end of December, early January, if I'm not mistaken. I, haven't, I didn't really look that up. I just saw it on Twitter the other day. But they're 9-9. Nine and nine. They're 500. I think they're in the eighth seed right now, which is just incredible, even, even though it's only been a month. For them to be 9-9 nine nine with several quality wins and to be a fun team that's under control. And, you know, Luke Walton's got guys like Nick Young contributing on both ends and not being a total head case and lost cause when he's on the floor. Um, it's just incredible what the job that Walton's done. And really, I'm almost talking myself into it while talking to you guys right now. I mean, um, I think, I mean, I, I could seriously give it to Luke Walton. The thing is that... Now, the Warriors haven't played tonight yet uh, before the podcast is being recorded right now. They are going to play the Hawks tonight, 
and the Hawks coming off a second ever back-to-back. Looks like there'll be another win for the Warriors. So that's why the Warriors will, if they win tonight, will push it to 12 straight wins, and they will be uh, what 16 and two after that. And that's why I'm going to give it to Kerr. I mean, again, it's not really a sexy pick, of course, but the Warriors have really, you know, after that kind of nervous start, have really regained their composure or are dominating the way we expected them to. And the thing with this award, Coach of the Year, is that the good teams are doing as expected, right? You expected this from the Warriors, the Clippers, the Spurs, the Cavs, etc. But there's a lot of teams that are underperforming. The Pacers are underperforming. The Wizards are underperforming. The Blazers are underperforming. Some would say the Thunder are underperforming. Um, Jazz maybe are, are, are argue that are underperforming. There are so many teams that are underperforming. Um, Hawks, I mean, the list goes on. That's why this award is so hard to pick. So right now, I think it's a toss-up between Steve Kerr and Luke Walton for Coach of the Year. But again, when we revisit these awards in a month, it'll be interesting to see who I have as my frontrunner then. Now let's get to the big, juicy one. Most Valuable Player. This is going to be the most controversial award of the year, no matter what. Whoever wins it, it'll be controversy. There'll be fans of one player saying that they didn't deserve it, that their player, that their favorite player deserved it, etc. This will be the one of the most controversial. And honestly, it'll be the most interesting MVP race we've had in several years. There are so many candidates. Kevin Durant, Westbrook, LeBron James, James Harden. You know, even Kawhi Leonard could regain his defensive composure and the Spurs keep winning. CP3, I didn't even mention. I think a couple weeks ago I had CP3 as my MVP when I was talking with Duncan Smith on the podcast two weeks ago. We both agreed that we could see CP3 as, as, as the MVP. But anyway, let's get into it. Before I reveal who my pick, I guess we'll do a process of elimination before I reveal who I have for MVP right now. Now, people who know me know I'm a Rockets fan. It's not going to be a surprise, but let's just dive into the other candidates before I get into my pick. Kevin Durant is having one of the most efficient seasons of all time. I don't have the numbers exactly in front of me, but his true shooting is off the off the charts. I think he's leading the league. Um, he's putting up monstrous numbers at a really efficient clip. Um, the only problem I have with Kevin Durant is that there's just too much around him. He went to a team that won 73 games last year. I mean, even if he puts up these great stats, you know, I see I see a team around him that has Steph Curry, that has Klay Thompson, that has Draymond Green, Iggy, uh, you know, Iguodala coming off the bench, a great coach, Steve Kerr. There's too much around Kevin Durant. I think that the voters will not like the narrative of him going to Golden State, and I think they'll be like, oh, you know, KD, you have a lot around you. Come on. I mean, there's a reason you're so efficient because you're getting all these wide-open looks from having Steph Curry, the two-time MVP, Klay Thompson, and Draymond Green next to you. Now, Russell Westbrook is an interesting one. Because now the, the the Thunder won again tonight against the Knicks, um, so they're 11 and 8, I believe. And the thing I have down written here against Westbrook is not enough wins? Question mark. And that question mark is because, you know, they are 11 and 8 right now, um, which I think is good for. Um, I want to say, I mean, I'll actually pull it up right now so I can stop guessing. You know. Um, So that 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 an eleven and eight record for the Thunder is still, you know, is sixth in the West. They're a game behind the Rockets and Grizzlies, tied for fourth. So they're really a game out of the fourth seed. Um, the thing with that is, that I think that for Westbrook, and again, the pick that I'm going to make, of course, Harden. I already revealed it. Um, the thing with them them is that. They need to have enough wins. Their numbers are going to be eye-opening, especially Westbrook, who after tonight's game is averaging a triple-double on the season, which is unheard of since Oscar Robertson. Um, So the thing I guess you can put not enough wins, question mark, is for both Harden and Westbrook. I think that the Rockets will have a couple more wins, maybe five more wins than the Thunder. 
um, at the end of the season. So making a Harden a more legitimate MVP candidate. But again, if the Thunder can finish as the fourth seed and Westbrook averages a triple-double for the season, I think it's going to be really, really hard for the voters to avoid that kind of narrative, one-man show, eye-opening numbers for MVP. LeBron James is an interesting one, too. I think you know, I currently, I think I have LeBron James as second right now. Um, I, I think Zach Lowe on his podcast was talking about how uh, he was talking to some people who have votes um, in 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 the MVP race and all in the NBA awards races, um, and was saying that you know what, you know, the voters, you know, that NBA that NBA Finals performance from LeBron will LeBron will trickle into this season and his, and his MVP chances. The guy's on cruise control right now and is just posting up ridiculous stats. The Cavs are cruising during games. It's going to be hard to avoid picking LeBron for MVP. It depends on how many games he sits out for rest. Um, maybe there's an injury to the Cavs and their record isn't as good as we thought it was. I don't know. I have LeBron James as the second right now in MVP. Um, again, as Zach Lowe pointed out, and, and something that I could definitely see happening, is LeBron's Le- finals performances from, from the last year when they came down came back from 3-1 down against the Warriors. Uh, Lowe said on his podcast... Um, which you guys should listen to. I think it was along with Mark Stein. He said that that's going to trickle into the voters' minds this season. I think it definitely could as well. But let's get to James Harden, my pick after the first month for MVP. And here's why. The Rockets are 11-6, and six, which is only a game better than the Thunder as of now. But the thing is that they're not only tied for fourth in the West, but the thing is that 11 of their first 17 games have been on the road. They had that long five-game road trip the second week of the season. They are currently in the middle of another five-game road trip, which they are 2-0 in. Um, and, cur- and have games against the Jazz, Warriors, and Nuggets this week. So if they finish that week 2-1, and one, if they go 4-1 and one on this road trip, they've had a lot of road games. Now, they're not, they're not the Spurs on the road, who are 10-0, and 0, which is just incredible. But they have been really good on the road. Um, in fact, on the road, the Rockets are 7-4, and four, which is very good, um, especially because it's important to weather a lot of road games early in the season. And Harden, we know his numbers. 29 points per game, 12.2 assists per game, 7.5 rebounds per game, a player efficiency rating of 29.6. He he's, has a 62% true shooting percentage, 3.3 offensive win shares, which leads the league. And the Rockets are winning even with a road-heavy uh, schedule so far. So that's why I'm putting Harden as MVP slightly, though Westbrook and LeBron James are close, close seconds. And again, in a month, I think that, I feel like every month we do this update, because I'm going to be doing this awards race update um, and kind of monthly recaps and grades for each team every month. Um, So, you know, we'll probably do it next month around Christmas time will be the next one. I think that the candidate, the person I pick for MVP will probably change each month between Westbrook, Harden, LeBron, Durant, CP3, etc. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how the awards race updates continues to go on throughout the season. In just a moment, we're going to get to our next segment, Watching You. All right, so we debuted this segment two weeks ago with Duncan Smith. Basically, the gist of the segment, it's called Watching You, and each week I will pick a player or a coach um, that I'm quote-unquote watching for good or bad reasons. So two weeks ago, I was picking, I picked Nick Young because he was playing great on, on both ends of the floor, contributing hard, and has turned into a solid role player, which nobody expected going into the season. This week, I'm pitching, I'm picking... Clint Capella, who I mentioned before, is my also my pick for most improved player of the year so far after the first month of the season. Clint has really come on um, over the past week or so. Um, he's improving rapidly, a lot more, a lot faster than Rockets fans expected. 
And I mentioned he was coming on really fast. In the last five games, Clint, Clint Capella is averaging 17 points per game, nine rebounds per game, and two and a half blocks per game. And this is still under, uh, this is basically still under 27 minutes per game for the season. The thing with Clint Capella is a perfect fit for the Rockets, perfect fit alongside James Harden. Um, and for and for what Mike D'Antoni wants to run, he runs a great pick and roll with Harden. They have such great chemistry, and for those reasons, and Clint Capella's emergence over the last five games, he's hitting his free throws at a, at a good enough rate where you're not scared to put him on the floor. Um, his just his rapid progression, um, I think he could really finish the season um, with strong enough stats to warrant most improved player, and the good narrative along the Rockets and his good chemistry with James Harden running that pick and roll could lead to Clint Capella for a most improved player of the year. So that is why I have Clint Capella as the player I am, quote-unquote, watching you this week. And we'll be doing that each week. Again, that's going to be another addition to our running segments list alongside for, uh, worst and best of the week. Um, I decided not to continue the opinions segment each week, maybe. Um, I'm not sure. Maybe you guys feel differently. Maybe you guys would want me to include the opinion segment. Um, if you haven't listened to it, you can listen to the podcast with Duncan Smith um, two weeks ago, I believe November 14th or 15th. Um, and we have, I debuted an opinion segment there where we basically take an NBA related topic, something related to the NBA and just give our opinions on it or give my opinions on it. I decided not to continue that each week. I'd rather choose the watching you and worst and best of the week for the two running segments each episode. But if you guys feel like you want the opinion segment um, during the show, feel free to uh, let me know, and I'll definitely include that segment going forward. So now we've got about, um, you know, about 40 minutes left uh, into in this episode of the 94 Feet Report, and that's going to give us a little bit of time to talk about each team's first month, give them a grade and a recap. We're going to do this in alphabetical order, and we're not going to go too much in too much detail for each team um, because, of course, we don't have that much time. Just giving maybe a stat or two or kind of a theme of their first month and, of course, their record and their grade. Um, and we'll be doing this again essentially each month of the season to see how each team progresses uh, throughout the year, of course. So we'll start with the Hawks in just a second. So let's start off the Atlanta Hawks. They are 10-7. and seven. Again, they're going to play the Warriors tonight on the second night of a back-to-back, so you have to think that's going to be 10-8. and eight. I'm going to give them a B so far for the um, first month of the season. They're, they're fourth in the East, and again, as I mentioned it when talking about Dwight Howard for Defensive Player of the Year, they have the best defensive rating in the league, but that's coupled with a 21st offensive rating. So you can kind of see why they're essentially almost 500. Um... And, uh, you know, they've been struggling. I think they've lost, I think they've lost, uh, actually, I can pull it up right here. So, yeah, they're 5-5 five and five in the last 10. They've lost two, most likely lost three in a row after tonight's loss to the Warriors. So, they are really struggling as of late. We saw Dwight Howard get heckling with that L.A. fan, the Laker fan last night. Things are not exactly peachy in Atlanta so far. So, I'm going to give the Hawks a B for their first month. They're 10-7, and seven, most likely to be 10-8 and eight by the time you hear this podcast. Let's move on to the Boston Celtics, another team that's been kind of disappointing. Um, they are um, currently 10-7. and seven. Again, like the Hawks, um, they just won against the, the Heat tonight um, to put them at 10-7. and seven. 
they are 7-3 and three in their last 10. Again, the thing with the Celtics so far in their first month has been injuries. They had significant injuries to Horford. He missed, I think, four to five games. Crowder missed a similar amount of games. Those are two starters. Horford, you know, they're probably their second best player in their big free agency acquisition. When, you, when he's missing time, it's a problem. And Crowder is one of the most dependable and reliable and consistent starters on both ends of the floor. So they missed games, which is why the, the slow start has occurred. And if they stay healthy, I still think they have a really good shot to get that second seed, considering the Raptors aren't playing that well to, to really matter. So, um, and looking at the Celtics, they're ninth in offensive rating, which is good. Top 10 is always good, of course. But they're 18th in defensive rating. So you kind of want to, you expect them to, to improve that defense a little bit, at least get to the top 15. So, you know, if they were to finish throughout, if they were to play the rest of the year with the top 15 defense and a top 10 offense, you can you can see how that could be a path to the second seed in the East. Um, so now, now that they're healthy, I'm really interested to see how the Celtics play over the next couple of weeks and see if they can really, you know, start that claim or start that path to the second seed in the East and capitalize on the Raptors who have had another, another team with a slow start, as I mentioned when talking about Coach of the Year, right? Up next, the Brooklyn Nets. After their loss to, um, I didn't never mind. They didn't play today. Uh, uh, so the Nets are four and twelve. I was thinking about the Sixers. That's why they have very similar records. So the Nets are four and twelve. Um, and the thing with the Nets is that they're competing on the season. Um, you know, they they've lost seven straight. So before that, they were four and five, which is really good and a lot better than people expected. But after you know, starting off strong and competing a lot, they are now on their losing streak. They've had injuries to Jeremy Lin, of course, and Hollis Jefferson, and their defense has just been terrible, to say the least. Uh, they're 29th in defensive rating um, and 20th in offensive rating for a net rating of negative 8.2, which is obviously which is what we expect. We expected the Nets to be one of the worst, one of if not the worst team in the league. And they are just falling back down to earth and what we expected them. So I'm going to give the Nets a C-plus because they had a strong start at 4-5. and five. By the time we get to the next award, uh, monthly update of the teams, they'll probably be getting a lower grade and their record will probably be even worse. Um, so that's where the Brooklyn Nets are so far, 4-12 and 12 so far. Next team, the Charlotte Hornets, a team that I was pretty high on to start the season. I was sure that they – a lot of people didn't even expect them to make the playoffs. I was sure they'd be a top 7, probably even top 6 seed. They currently sit at um, nine and seven, but they're about to win. They're blowing out the Grizzlies in Memphis, so they're about to go to ten and seven again. Another t- another Eastern Conference team at ten and seven. <laughs> um, but you know, even with this win tonight, I'm gonna have to give them a C so far. The thing with the Hornets is that they're ninth in defensive rating and eleventh in offensive rating. So almost, but almost top ten in both offense and defense which is a rare and, and a signal of a good team. So the Hornets are good on both ends. They're almost top 10 on both ends of the floor, but they've had some nagging injuries, Batum, Marvin Williams, etc. And they're not closing out games like they did last year. Kemba Walker has emerged as a legitimate all-star con- candidate in a top, you know, top five point guard in the league, really. Um, but the Hornets are just... They're just not, you know, closing the games as they would last year. They're not using that great defense, not using that balanced attack as they ha- as well as they have last year. So maybe with a big win in Memphis, they can turn it around. Uh, I have higher hopes for the Hornets than hovering around 500 kind of play. So I, I have to give them a C for the first month because of their 10-7 and 7 start, which doesn't sound terrible, but I just expected more from the Hornets. That's why I'm giving them a lower grade than the Nets. 
these grades are all about, you know, expectations, you know. Just because the Hornets are 10-7 and 7 and the Nets are 4-12 and 12 doesn't mean the Hornets should get a better grade than the Nets because there are obviously a lot higher expectations for the Hornets than the Nets. That's why the grades are going to fluctuate depending on expectations and performance. Let's move on to the Chicago Bulls. I'm going to give them a B plus. They started 10-6 and 6 so far this season, better than people expected. I had them missing the playoffs, and they are, you know, they are firmly in that playoff race. Um, actually, currently record-wise, they're in the third seed right now. <laughs> um, and uh, so they're seventh in offensive rating, the Bulls are, and eighth in defensive rating. So they are one of those elite teams that are that is top 10 on both ends of the floor. Um, so they're a balanced team. They're not winning it one way like the Rockets are. Um, and the thing with the Bulls is that the shooting hasn't been terrible. You know, everyone was like, oh, they're going to have no shooting. Their offense is going to be terrible, blah, 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 chemistry issues, et cetera, leading them to miss the playoffs. You haven't really seen any of that. Wade and Ronda really, you know, allowed Butler to ascend and emerge as an MVP candidate. Um, in fact, Butler is fourth in real plus minus, and he's third in wins generated by real plus minus. Now, that's an ESPN stat. Um, so Butler's a le- Butler's a legitimate MVP candidate, and Wade and Rondo seem to have no problem with saying, "Hey, Butler, this is your team. We're just here to help out and here to win games." And you know, I guess now they're saying we're here to hit some threes. Apparently, um, and in fact. The Bulls have been better without Rondo on the floor, so it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Maybe a, maybe a move to the bench. Who knows with that? Um, but so far, the shooting hasn't really dragged them down. They've been they've been good defensively. They've been really good offensively. Again, top ten in both offense and defense. Uh, and Jimmy Butler has emerged as an MVP candidate. And whenever someone emerges as an MVP candidate, you know, even without a, even with a mediocre team around them, they can carry them to the playoffs. But the Bulls have more than a mediocre team around uh, Butler, so they're going to be. Uh, they look at, as of right now, it's only a month, but they look that they could be a top, they could easily be a top five team in the East, especially because the East has gotten a, a weaker, especially b- behind the Cavs at number one. So the Bulls get a B plus for their 10 and 6 start this month. Next up, the Cavs. What do we say about the Cavs anymore? They're 13 and 2. I'm going to have to give them an A for that start. And the thing with the Cavs is they're just cruising to victories. They had that game against the Sixers where they were, like, shut out for the first six minutes of the quarter and went down by, like, 10-plus and then just came back and just, you know, kind of on autopilot just won that game. And I know the Sixers are a bad team, but it was still on the road after the Cavs were in Ohio State for the big game on Saturday, the big football game, et cetera. And the, the, almost the, the part I'm enjoying the most about the Cavs is the reemergence of Kevin Love as an elite player. He's back to his Minnesota days, apparently. 22 points per game, 10.7 rebounds per game on 43% shooting from three-point land. That is the Minnesota, that is a stat line of Minnesota Kevin Love, not the past year or two of Cleveland Kevin Love. So it's been nice to see Kevin Love emerge, re-emerge as an elite player. Kyrie, of course, is continuing his development as a player. LeBron is on cruise control, getting triple doubles um, and posting the Cavs to one of the best records in the league. What do you say? What else is there to say about the Cavs? Really, there's not even there's not even a real need to spend more time on the Cavs. So the Cavs get an A for their 13 and two start. The polar opposite of the Cavs, the Dallas Mavericks. They are three and 13. I'm gonna have to give them an F. An F. Yep, I'm giving an F. I didn't want to when I was making my notes for this podcast. I wanted to stop at maybe an E or maybe even a D minus. But I'm just going to give them an F because, hey, I'm a Rockets fan. Um, they're 3-13. and 13. The thing with the Mavs, they've had a lot of injuries. Of course, Dirk was out. Deron Williams has missed some games. J.J. Breyer now is going to be out or has been out for the past week or two and will be continuing to be out for the next week or two. 
And uh, it was interesting because, uh, and I will get to this later in the uh, best and worst of the week segment, which happens to apply to the Mavericks this uh, this week. But it's time to tank for the Mavericks. I mean, I will dive more into that because that will be related to my worst of the week. But I'll just say this. It is time to tank for the Mavericks. The Mavericks are 17th in defensive rating. Not horrible at all, really. Almost almost league, basically league average in defense, but 28th in offensive rating. Their offense has been ugly to watch. I mean, wow. It turns out it's not great to just hand the ball to Harrison Barnes 40, 50 times a game and see what he does to generate some offense. That does not really lead to a good offense. Um, so, again, Dirk's had some injuries, and when Dirk comes back, the offense – when Dirk gets fully healthy and comes back and returns to his normal playing time, the offense will improve. But again, with Dirk on the floor, the defense will decrease. So it'll pretty much even out and they'll still be a bad team. And at this point, they got some old players. So who knows if they ever really get healthy throughout the season. So a lot of injuries and a really bad offense has led to a 3-13 and start for the Mavericks and an F for the first month, their first month of the season. Let's continue on. Again, we are, if you're just tuning in, we are recapping the first month of the NBA season for each team, giving a grade, looking at their record, looking at some statistics to summarize their first month. Um, and we are now on the, the Denver Nuggets. Again, we are doing this alphabetically. The Denver Nuggets are 7-10, and 10, so I'm going to have to give them a B-. minus. Um, I remember talking to uh, Duncan Smith two weeks ago, and we were concerned about the Nuggets. They had a pretty hard schedule. They had lost uh, four in a row. They've somewhat turned it around since then, of course, not not dramatically turned around, but still, 7-10 and 10 is basically what you'd expect from the Nuggets. The Nuggets are 18th in offensive rating and 22nd in defensive rating, so that's pretty much the essentially why they are a pretty bad team. Um, and the thing with that is that Nikola Jokic is still struggling. Nikola Jokic, not only their most promising player, but arguably their best player currently on the team, is still struggling. And... and Emmanuel Mudiay is pretty much hit or miss. So when you get a really good Emmanuel Mudiay game, you're probably going to get a Nuggets win. When you get a bad Mudiay game, you're going to get a really, really ugly Nuggets loss. So the Nuggets go as Mudiay goes, and so far it's been really consistent. Hence the 7-10 and 10 record and the B-minus grade um, so far for the Nuggets um, after their first month. I think I had them around 37-38 to 38 wins, so they're kind of essentially almost on that path anyway. So that's why a B minus is a pretty good but not great grade for the Nuggets so far. If Jokic can turn around and start playing like the potential we saw last year, they'll improve. And if Muji can get more consistent, they'll improve again. So the Nuggets B minus uh, for their seven and ten start in the first month of the season. And up next, the the Detroit Pistons. The Pistons are eight and ten, and for that, I'm gonna have to give them a C. Maybe even a C minus. Now that I'm thinking about it. Now, of course, we have to preface this by saying that Reggie Jackson is still out and will solve a lot of their problems when he comes back. And apparently, I just saw today that, that Van Gundy said he's returned to practice and is not ruling Reggie Jackson out for the road trip this weekend. So he could be back this weekend. Most likely, he's probably going to be back early to middle next week. But as soon as they can get Jackson, the sooner they can get Jackson back, the better. I mean, this team is really struggling. Again, eight and ten. They're one and eight on the road, which is just abysmal. Um, and the thing with them is that they've, they're sixth in defensive rating, so they've been a really good elite defensive team, but you couple that with a 24th ranked offensive rating, and you're going to have a team that's basically hovering around 500. Of course, Reggie Jackson will help the offense and won't kill the defense, so I could see when Jackson comes back to the Pistons maybe getting to like a, like a 17th offense and like 
tenth or eleventh ranked defense, which would be a lot better than that'll be a, that'll be a team that's over five hundred. Um, so again, they've been struggling on the road, one and eight. They've had a really good elite defense, but a really bad offense. Which again, those problems will be solved with Reggie Jackson returning. So the sooner Reggie Jackson returns, the better. I'm pretty. I was pretty high in the Pistons to start the season. I had them as think as the fourth seed. Um, it doesn't look like they're going to be able to get to the fourth seed, um, but they should still be able to make the playoffs, especially when Reggie Jackson comes back. So wait to see and judge the the Pistons until Reggie Jackson comes back, of course. Up next, the Golden State Warriors. They are fifteen and two. So for that start, I will give them an A. I know I don't really give up. I don't really give out A pluses on this show. You'll find you'll come to find that uh, pretty soon. Um, so I'm going to give the Warriors an A. Uh, so as I mentioned earlier, when talking about Coach of the Year for Steve Kerr, um, after their poor start, you know the, the Warriors have really just turned it around. They have eleven straight wins, possi- possibly and probably twelve straight wins after they beat the Hawks tonight. They're first in offensive rating, which we all expected. How do you stop that team? Um, how do you stop that team offensively? Really, um, and they're seventh in defensive rating. So all those defensive concerns have kind of quieted down. They're still not a great defense, and the defensive spurts come and go. Sometimes they can be really inconsistent, which leads to some bad defense. Other times they can just lock in and shut you down and become an unstoppable team, which which is what we expected. And the thing is, out of the kind of, I guess you could say they have a big four, quote unquote. KD is the one that's really emerged as an MVP candidate. He's emerged and proven that he is essentially he is better than Steph Curry overall as a player. You know, Sports Illustrated had Kevin Durant I think as number two and Curry as number three, and I would agree with that. Um, and yeah, so I already we already talked about Kevin Durant's super efficient MVP season so far. Uh, it's just been really interesting to see how he's emerged as the MVP candidate. While Steph is doing great things still, Clay is still struggling, especially on defense. I think he, I saw this stat today on Twitter that he is 410 out of 416 eligible players in defensive real plus minus, not what you expect from Clay Thompson. But even with Clay Thompson struggling, they're 15 and 2, 11 straight wins. They get an A for their first month of the season. Let's move on to my favorite team, the team that I cover and watch every game for, so I really know I can talk about them, uh, the Houston Rockets. So I mentioned they're 11-6. and six. We talked a little bit about the Rockets when I was talking about James Harden for MVP a little bit before, but I'm going to give them an A- minus for this 11-6 and six start. I think, in my opinion, of course I'm a Rockets fan, but really, it, it's a really good start because of the road-heavy schedule. Again, 11 of their first 17 have been on the road, and they still have three more to go on this road trip. So 14 of their first 20 games will be on the road. And they started off they started off a lot better than I expected, considering the fact that it's a road-heavy schedule with a lot of new pieces on the team. Again, Harden has established himself as a legitimate MVP candidate, um, and, his, and the team overall has had really good shooting. You know, Rockets fans and really knowledgeable NBA fans have known for the past couple seasons the Rockets take a lot of threes always in the top three and three-pointers attempted, but never really hit them. I think last year they took the most threes but were 19th in percentage. This year they're taking the most threes but are, I think, fourth in percentage, in three-point percentage at 38% per game. So that's a significant difference in why their offense is really good this year. So they're fourth in offensive rating, which is what you expected. I even think they can jump into the top three. That's how good they've been clicking offensively. Uh, in the past couple of games, they're 25th in defensive rating. And for the Rockets to be a, a top five seed and a, uh, any kind of legitimate playoff team, uh, they've got to get that defense to around 20th. Last year, they were 22nd with horrible effort. This year, they've got a lot of good effort, but they still just don't have the defensive players um, that can play defense. You know, you bring in Ryan Anderson and uh, you're not going to get good defense from him, etc. 
So fourth in offensive rating, 25th in defensive rating. You got to get the defense improved a little bit and have the offense kind of hover around that top three, top five range. Um, but again, an 11 and six start with a really good, with a really road heavy schedule. I give the Rockets an A minus for their first month. And we can move on to the Indiana Pacers. The Pacers are nine and nine. And for that, I'm going to give them a C for their first month of the year. They've been disappointing so far. They've had some nagging injuries, kind of like the Hornets. You know, Paul George missed a couple games. TJ Miles missed a couple games, etc. But they've had some bad losses. They've had some. They've had some. They've had some good wins, but they've more importantly had some bad losses. They're 23rd in offensive rating. So even after Larry Bird fires uh, Frank Vogel and brings in Nate McMillan and all these offensive pieces like Jeff Teague and Thaddeus Young, and they wanted to improve their offense, it's still 23rd in the league, which isn't good. And their defense has improved more, a, a lot better over the past couple of weeks to 12th. So they're 12th in defensive rating. But you couple a 23rd offensive rating with a 12th defensive rating, that's the recipe for a mediocre team, which is exactly exactly what the Pacers are right now, a pretty mediocre team. So for their 9-9 start, again, I had, I had higher expectations than most people. I think I had them as the 5th or 6th seed. It doesn't look. It looks like they'd probably be lucky to get the eighth or seventh seed at this point with the way they're playing. Um, so for the nine and nine disappointing start for the Pacers, I'm going to have to give them a C so far for their first month of the year. Up next, the L.A. Clippers. The Clippers are 14 and four now. So after that hot 14 and two start, they really cooled down. So I'm going to give them an A minus for their first month. I initially had it at an A. Um, but then they had really two bad losses in a row. They've had two straight blowout losses, one to the Pistons and one to the Pacers we just talked about. Um, so they've, as I said, they've cooled down after that hot start. Their bench is improved, but it's still their weakness. And the thing with the Clippers is not only is their bench a weakness, um, it's, not a, it's not as bad a weakness as it was in the past, which is why you know Clippers fans are cautiously optimistic about their you know long-term kind of playoff chances. But they still have a weakness at small forward, and there have been some rumors that you know maybe they should start looking to a trade for Rudy Gay. I don't know how he fits with that Clipper team. He needs the ball in his hands, but so does CP3, so does Blake Griffin. I mean, would he solve their weakness at small forward? Yes, but he's not as good defensively as Mabah Mute. So there are really some things to figure out and analyze when talking about trading for Rudy Gay to solve the Clippers' small forward problems. Um, but it is interesting to see what they do with their small forward, and hopefully their bench, you know, for them, hopefully for their sake the bench can at least stay at this level, not be a huge weakness for them. So Clippers get an A- minus for their 14-4 and four start. Let's move to the other LA, t- LA team. And they also get an A-, minus, but for their 9-9 nine and nine start. So we're talking about the LA Lakers, of course. We've already talked about them when we talked about Luke Walton for Coach of the Year, so I won't spend a lot of time on them. The thing with them is that they're 28th in defensive rating, which is just abysmal, but they're 10th in offensive rating. So that leads you to a really fun team to watch. They're scrappy. Um... They know their roles. Players like Nick Young, Lou Williams, etc. They know their roles off the bench. They know what they're doing. Jordan Clarkson off the bench, etc. And that's why I think you can you make a serious case for Luke Walton for Coach of the Year, and Coach of the Month. Coach of the Month will be revealed shortly, as it is the end of November. So it'll be interesting to see if Luke Walton gets it. Maybe Mike D'Antoni. Who knows? Steve Kerr. You never know what, what they're going to do with that award. But the Lakers get an A minus for their nine nine star, just for being a. a a fun team that's 500, that's scrappy, that's had some really quality wins, and that Luke Walton has got his players to buy into their roles. And now we're going to move on to the Memphis Grizzlies. So another team that's 11-6 and six in the West, the Memphis Grizzlies, get a B-plus for their first month of the season. And the thing with the Grizzlies, interestingly enough, or I guess it's not very interesting if you've, if you've known and followed the Grizzlies for the past couple of years, they're 26th in offensive rating, 
but fourth in defensive rating. So it's still like that kind of grit and grind, use defense to win kind of team, even though they've um, kind of upgraded their offensive play by adding Chandler Parsons in the offseason and James Ennis, I guess. And the thing with the Grizzlies is they're still not fully healthy. Parsons is now out. Uh, he's now out uh, for another week or two with a bone bruise in the opposite knee that he had surgery on in the offseason. And even when he came back, he was struggling and not playing a lot of minutes. Uh, Conley and Gasol have both sat out a couple of games here or there to make sure that their injuries don't you know, creep back up from last year. Just a long-term kind of thinking from David Fisdale and the Grizzlies. So they haven't really been fully healthy for multiple weeks in a row. Um, which is why they are, you know, maybe they're better than this, better than this 11 and six record dictates. Maybe they're worse than this. Who knows? But they're still using their defense to win, and they're still struggling on offense. So it's pretty similar to the Grizzlies of the past couple of seasons. And in just a moment, we're going to continue our first month of recaps and grades for each team with the Miami Heat. So the Miami Heat. After their loss tonight to the Celtics, they are now 5-12. and 12, And for that, I'm going to give them a C-. The thing with the Heat is that Whiteside is certainly beasting and feasting. Whiteside is averaging 17 points per game, 15 rebounds per game, and 2.5 and blocks per game, which is just incredible. And he's anchoring the 5th best defense in the league. So the, the Heat are 5th in defensive rating. But you couple that with a 27th offensive rating, and that's why you have a team that's really struggling. Now, before the season, I think I had them around 38 to 37 to 38 wins. I still didn't, I still believe they can get to that kind of level, like you know, kind of hovering. Excuse me, uh, still like kind of hovering around 500. But this five and 12 starts not you know improving my confidence, and especially not improving my confidence in, in Eric Spolstra. And the question that this kind of raises: This is the first team in a while that Spolstra has had that really is limited of talent. No big three, no no Wade anymore, no Bosch, of course. Just essentially Whiteside and Dragic and some role players. And the question this kind of beckons is, is Spolstra a good coach? I mean, I've thought so so far. I think he's pretty a, a little bit above average. Not a great coach, but I think he's a little bit above average. But this is a really bad start for the Heat. Interesting to see if they can turn it around and get to that kind of 37 to 38 wins on the season. So I'll give them a C- for their 5-12 and 12 start. Up next, the Milwaukee Bucks. With their 7-8 and eight start, I'm going to give them a C+. So we talk about the Pacers being a mediocre team, essentially because of their defensive and offensive ratings, and that kind of can describe the Bucks as well. They're 16th in defensive rating and 19th in offensive rating. And you couple that together, that's the recipe for a mediocre team, which is what they are. And the thing is that Zach Lowe, again, I always comment Zach Lowe. I was just recently, I was just listening to the Lowe post with Mark Stein uh, yesterday, so that's why I'm remembering all these stats. Um, Zach Lowe said on his podcast that the Bucks schedule hasn't even been that hard. So that's important to keep in mind that, that they're 7-8 and eight with a pretty cupcake schedule uh, so far this season. So they may be worse than their record actually says. So for their 7-8 and eight start, I'm going to have to give the Bucks a C-plus for their first month of the season. Up next, the Timberwolves, a team that's been disappointing a lot of people, not really me, but a lot of other people. And the thing is that people expected too much from a young team. They're 5-11. and 11, and I'm going to give them a C for that 5-11 and 11 start. They're 12th in offensive rating, which is good, but they're 21st in defensive rating, which is worse than you expected from a Tom Thibodeau coach team. And the thing is that they still are falling apart in third quarters, and they're still just a young team that's not ready to close out games, especially on the road, but even at home. They're just not ready to close out games. Um, they just they lost again 
tonight to the Jazz. So now they're actually now five and twelve. Um, and so, you know, will Tibbs? The question is, will Thibodeau lose patience and make a trade? There have been rumors over the past week that he's going to trade one of his young players in favor of an established veteran veteran who can help them win, and that's going to be something to watch because if they continue on this pace. They're going to be a bad team, and Thibodeau is going to be losing his patience. Again, he is, he is both GM and coach, and we always know that's a recipe for disaster. Look at Doc Rivers in, the, in L.A., and if Tibbs lose patience and trades one of those young guys, probably Zach Levine for someone, it'll be really interesting to see how the dynamic of that team goes. So a C for the Wolves 5-11 and 11 start, and we're going to move on to the Pelicans because I'm realizing that we're not, we don't have that much time. We've still got a good amount of teams to go through. So the Pelicans also get a C for their 6-12 and 12 start, and the thing is that the Pelicans – the injuries killed them early. You know, Drew Holiday, Tyreek Evans is still out, but Holiday's back. And since Holiday's back, they are 4-2 and two in their last six, um, which, is a, which is a good record for their last six games. They're 14th in defensive rating, which is good, but 22nd in offensive rating. And you have to think that that will improve when Tyreek Evans comes back. So, you know, they're 6-12. and 12. They're, They are out of the playoff race right now, and it looks they're probably gonna they're gonna miss the playoffs. I'm confident about that, but they could get back to kind of a 500 level when they get healthy. So I'm gonna give the Pelicans a C for their six and 12 start. Next up, the New York Knickerbockers. They're eight and now they're eight and nine after their loss to the Thunder tonight. Um, and so I'm gonna give them a B minus for this. Again, another team like like the Pistons. They're one and six on the road. They're struggling on the road. The thing is, them it's their 15th on offensive rating, which is a which is league average, but they're 26th in defensive rating, which is just killing them. Um, and the player to note is that Joachim Noah has been very disappointing so far. It looks like that four-year, 72 million dollar contract is going to bite the Knicks um, in the ass in a couple of seasons. So, a Knicks get the Knicks get a B minus for their eight and nine start. Um, they look they look to be exactly where I thought they would be, and kind of like around 500, but not good enough for the playoffs. So we'll see if that continues. The Thunder, the team that just beat the Knicks tonight, are now 11-8 after that win, and for that I'm going to give them a B. Um, so we know Westbrook is a triple-double machine, top three MVP candidate, a lot of basically the MVP for a lot of people. Um, and the team overall is 11th in defensive rating and 16th in offensive rating. So that, that kind of speaks to middle of the pack. Now those numbers will change by the time you probably see, listen to this episode tomorrow. Again, I am recording um, Monday, November 28th at, at you know 10 o'clock Eastern time, so the, you know, the games are completed, but I haven't updated my numbers. But they're 11th in defensive rating, 16th in offensive rating, which equals a middle-of-the-pack team. So the Thunder, I'm going to give them a B for their 10 and 11 and 8 start so far. Next up, the Orlando Magic. I don't even need to spend a lot of time on them because it's basically the team is exactly as we expected. They're 6 and 11, so I'm going to give them a C for that start. And they are last in offensive rating and 10th in defensive rating, exactly as we expected based on their offseason. We thought they'd have a really good defense and a horrible offense and that's what they are. They're a top 10 defense and a the worst offense in the league that leads to a 6 and 11 start and a disappointing start for Magic fan Magic fans but not exactly for people who realized how bad their offseason or how ridiculous their offseason was. So a C for the Magic for their 6 and 11 start. The 76ers, we've already spent a good amount of time on them because there's only really one thing you have to talk about with them, Joel, the process, trust the process and bead. The 76 are 4 and 14, but I'm going to give them a C plus, a better grade than you might expect for that record, because they're, they've been competitive in a lot of games and they have Embiid. Joel Embiid just himself gets them the C plus, really. Uh, so the 76 ers get a C plus for their 4 and 14 start, but they've been competitive and Joel Embiid is still playing. So there you go. And he's soon to be off the minutes restriction, hopefully.
Next up, the Phoenix Suns. They're 5-13 and 13 with the 20th best defensive rating and the 25th best offensive rating. That's a recipe for a really bad team. And for those reasons, I really just have to give them a C-. Devin Booker, though, has been a lot, dis- a lot more disappointing than, than a lot of people expected. Um, so we're, we might dive into that next episode on the podcast. Um, but he's been disappointing, and the Suns have just been a bad team overall. Getting down to the wire here, we've got the Portland Trailblazers at 9-10. and 10. I'm going to give them a D-plus for that 9-10 and 10 start. I know, D-plus is really harsh, but they seem to be falling under the pressure of expectations. Maybe that's what happens when a team overachieves um, one year, like the Rockets making the Western Conference Finals, and has a lot of expectations and falters. The Blazers overachieved last year with 44 wins, making the second round. Now they look like they're going to be falling under the pressure of expectations. Their defense is abysmal. They're last in defensive rating, giving up 110.5, um, and they're eighth in offensive rating. So, you know, the Rockets are, you know, fourth in offensive rating, 25th in defense. The Blazers are last in defensive rating and eighth in offense. So that's why they're 9-10 and 10 and falling under pressure of expectations. For, for that reason, I'm going to give them a D plus. Up next is Sacramento Kings. They're 7-10. and 10, or, Yeah, 7-11 and 11 now that they lost to the Wizards, actually, um, tonight. And they're going to give them a C plus for that start. They're really they're 13th in offensive rating, but 27th in defensive rating. And really, when you want to talk about the Kings, you're going to say, if they continue on this pace, will they trade Cousins? Uh, I think Mark Stein and Zach Lowe both agreed on their podcast uh, a couple days ago that you know if they continue on this pace, a lot of league executives and front office um, personnel believe that they will eventually trade Cousins this year. So that's that's the real thing to watch with the Kings, not how they play, but will they trade Cousins? San Antonio Spurs get an A minus for their 14 and 3 start. Again, we mentioned it before. They're 10 and 0 on the road. They've got they've got a nine game winning streak. They've actually jumped back the Clippers to go back to number two in the West, which is a lot, which was which is what a lot of people ex- predicted and expected, as did I. Um, they're fifth in offensive rating, but 13th in defensive rating, which is unusually low. Again, we did expect them to fall off defensively with Tim Duncan, but I didn't expect this much of a drop off to 13th. It's interesting to see if they can turn that around the rest of the season. The Raptors get a B for their 11-6 and six start. They've got the third-best offensive rating, but the 23rd-best defensive rating, so they got to improve that defense if they want to be a legitimate threat to the Cavs and get that number two seed in the East. So a B for the Raptors for their 11-6 and six start. The Jazz get a B-minus for their 10-8 and eight start. Uh, they just won today against the Timberwolves, as I just mentioned. They've had some, some significant injuries. They've had George Hill out for a couple games. Obviously, Hayward missed the first, I think, five or six games and Derek Favors is still injured so they haven't really played as a cohesive unit for at all I think um, they've got the second best defensive rating in the league which is why I have Gobert's defensive player of the year right now at, at 98.7 and a 14th best offensive rating um, and those are close to elite team numbers you know they're close to getting a top 10 defense and top 10 offense and when they're healthy I think they will do that and when they are healthy and if they stay healthy I think they will be a comfortable top six playoff team they're 10 and 8 after weathering some serious injuries so the Jazz have had a good start so far and finally the Wizards who are now 6 and 10 after beating the Kings tonight I'm giving them another another harsh grade for these teams D plus they're getting the same grade as the Blazers they're 1 and 5 on the road they're 17th in offensive rating 24th in defensive rating a recipe just for a bad team, and they the thing with the Wizards, they have the talent. You know, you got Wall, you got Beal, you've had you've had. They're getting really good seasons from Gortat and Otto Porter, they're, but their bench is just horrible, and there's some kind of cohesion problem. And Scott Brooks does not seem to be the answer to solve those cohesion problems. So, for their six and ten start, I'm giving the Wizards a D plus, and we will conclude shortly with best and worst of the week. So 
So I've already hinted at what my best and worst of the week will be earlier in the show. Let's start off with the best of the week. The best of the week is going to be is the MVP race. I think it'll be the most exciting MVP race we've had in years, and that's because there's so many quality candidates. You got Kevin Durant, Westbrook, Harden, LeBron James, CP3, maybe even Kawhi reinserts himself there. There's just so many candidates. It's interesting because there's so many you know storylines and narratives behind each candidate. You know the great numbers of Harden and Westbrook. Will they have enough wins? LeBron James on cruise control with other players around him. Kevin Durant with so much talent around him, but he's having the most efficient season ever. CB3 having great advanced metrics and advanced numbers, leading the Clippers to maybe a top two seed, etc. Just so many narratives behind so many quality candidates will make the MVP race the most exciting we've had in years, which is why it is the best of the week. The worst of the week is Mark Cuban and the Mavericks. I hinted about this before when talking about the Mavericks in their first month of the season. And the reason it's the worst of the week is that Mark Cuban has said that they won't tank, but the problem is that it is time to tank for the Mavericks. This is, I don't really I don't really watch a lot of college basketball and I don't really follow it until it's like kind of draft time to scout some players. But, you know, from what everyone's saying, what Chad Ford's saying, etc., it's going to be a really good draft. The Mavs suck, so this is the perfect time for them to get their next franchise corner star. And Dirk is playing maybe a, another year or two at best. The team is old. The team is really bad. Just tank. Get that next franchise cornerstone. So the Mavs and Mark Cuban are the worst of the week. And with that, that wow, we just yeah, had to really kind of rapidly finish off those team monthly recaps and get to best of worst of the week. But that is the end of our episode this week for the 94 Feet Report on All in Sports Talk Radio Network. Again, I'm your host, Eric Spiropoulos. You can find me on Twitter at Eric Spiros. You can find my other work on the Dream Shake on SB Nation as well as NBA Lead. Again, that's all can be found on my Twitter page at Eric Spiros. You can find the rest, our previous episodes of the podcast on our Blog Talk Radio page, which is linked into my Twitter profile. Uh, or you can search us on iTunes and Stitcher or Google, whatever you want. And you can find all of our previous episodes there. Just search the 94 Feet Report Basketball Podcast. You'll get all of our episodes there. Again, we are brought to you by Fan Essentials. Use promo code 94FEET at checkout for 30% off your first subscription of Fan Essentials and Daily Fantasy Nerd. If you see the link on my Twitter or on the episode descriptions of our previous podcast, use that link to get some great Daily Fantasy uh, tips and tools. So once again, this is the 94 Feet Report Basketball Podcast. I am your host, as always, Eric Spropolis. We are uh, on All in Sports Talk Radio Network month, Tuesdays Sorry, Tuesdays from 8 to 9 a.m. We also post the podcast to our Blog Talk Radio page, which is uploaded to iTunes Tuesday mornings as well. So you always get the episodes there if you subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher or on Blog Talk Radio or follow me on Twitter at Eric Sparrows. You'll get all the updates for the show and you'll get all of my other work there as well. And soon, um, in the next week or two, I believe, hopefully, we will be um, adding a 30-minute end-of-the-week episode on Friday. So I'll kind of I'll tail end the week with episodes, you know, begin the week and end the week with episodes of the 94 Feet Report. More news to come on that front. So again, this is the 94 Feet Report Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Spropolis. Follow me on Twitter, at Eric Spiros. Hope you guys have a great week of following some NBA action.